Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Birth Stories with me, Clemmie Hooper, created by Offscript. I was around 33. I don't think it was a kind of, okay, Tom, Tom's my husband. Today's the day. Let's make a baby. It wasn't really like that. And it took us um, a good nine months, actually. I went to Bestival, had a fantastic weekend, came back and kind of realised I was pregnant. And um, yeah, I was just really happy about it and really excited about it. I found it a really inspiring kind of mad journey of discovery. It really kind of humbled me and made me appreciate my femaleness. But then there was also an element of, Jesus, so like, is this all I'm here for? You know what I mean? Like I've worked my tits off to get to this point and essentially my body is here to create a life. And is that it? Like, I don't know. It was just a weird kind of totally re-looking at everything I had thought of myself. But I kind of came away from it, I think, from the pregnancy, feeling even more um, strong. Hello, I'm Clemmie Hooper and welcome to Birth Stories, a podcast where I talk to amazing women about the fascinating and unique ways they have their babies. Just a quick note, we'll be talking about childbirth in a lot of detail, so you may not want to listen to this podcast around young children. Today's guest is DJ, presenter and now podcaster Annie Mack. Annie's got two children and her first was born in 2013. Annie, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So Annie, I know a little bit about your um, birth story because I heard you talking about it on your podcast with Sarah Cox. Yeah, yeah. So you decided, yeah, when you were about 33 that you were going to crack on with it, Mm -hmm. get on with having the babies. Um, During your pregnancy, you said you worked a lot. How did that fit in with kind of mentally and physically preparing for the birth? I didn't really prepare for it, Tilly. <laughs> I was as as, as I, I kind of was just quite scatty. I was I was the opposite of the kind of prepared mom. I didn't really read that many books. What I did was I spoke to pals. I had some good friends. Sarah Cox, who's a really good friend, who was a mother of three, um, was a big inspiration. As was my mom. Um, so I spoke to them for advice and kind of just empathy, I guess, at the way your body changes. Um, I was the first one out of most of my friends to have a kid. So everyone was quite curious, I think, of my friends just kind of asking questions and stuff. But yeah, I didn't prepare. I just kind of got on with it and I felt it out. And I think that was probably one of the hardest things for me about pregnancy, both pregnancies, is because you can't control it. You can't control how you're going to feel. Every pregnancy is different. Every baby's different. Yeah. You don't know how your life will be affected, how your... Uh, head will be affected by it all so there's a lot of kind of feeling it out and just being able to kind of go with the flow and change your life or your schedule or your work accordingly as to how you need to at the time yeah um 
So at the start, I found it hard because I'm a control freak and everything in my career and life I was very in charge of. So the idea of, of, of initially just not knowing how long I would be able to DJ for was really hard because as a DJ, you book your gigs anything from six months to a year in advance. Yeah. So everything is so far organised in advance. And I wasn't able to say to my manager or my agent how I was going to feel. So I didn't know whether I'd want to DJ in September when I was going to be, you know, six months pregnant. Yeah. And I was like trying to look up research and say, you know, what happens if you're, you know, around loud music as a pregnant person? Yeah. And there was all this kind of stuff online about women who worked in like factories that had really loud machinery and... But I couldn't find anything about DJing because there was really, I, you know, apart from Sister Bliss, I didn't really know any other moms. Really? Yeah. Who, very male dominated. Very, yeah. Mm. So it was kind of like this world that I, I, I didn't know about. Um, and the way that we did it was, I think we booked them, but my I had a, I had a lovely team who were very understanding, obviously, and they were just like, if you have to cancel, you have to cancel. Yeah. But, but we'll just charge on ahead and, and like... We'll just see how you feel at the time. And I think I got as far... I, my first baby was born in May. And I think I got as far as kind of, yeah, six months really pregnant. Maybe even seven months pregnant. And I remember like DJing, feeling the baby kick and being like, "Are you? do you like this or do you hate this? Yeah, like, yeah. Are you like into this? <laughs> are, you are, you like, are you like, get off stage now? Yeah. Like it's just... And you can't... You don't know, you know? Um but they both come out all right, I think, so far. Do they like music? Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. Um, and you didn't do any antenatal classes? No, um, wasn't into that. <laughs> so how did you know about things like what to pack in your hospital bag? Was it all from, like, chatting to friends? Yeah, I think I had the book, uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting. The book. And, and, you know, the week by week. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah. So I had a few, like, key books that people lent me and stuff. Sure. And um, I did, I, I, I dragged my husband to one kind of three hour birthing class in the hospital, which is when, <laughs> you know, you learn how to change a nappy and how to hold a baby and all that. So that was kind of not bit, that was a bit of a like, whoa, OK, this is really happening. It You know, it's all about the cards you're dealt with. You know, there's no amount of skill or training that you can do to have a, a good labour, I don't think. I think, you know, it's like what Sarah said to me, you know, you can't. You can't take credit for a good labour. You just you have a cervix that moves fast or slow. I think, and I was lucky. Both my mom had loads of really quick, kind of fast and furious labours, and I was lucky with both of mine that I had the same. I do think there's a lot to be said around the like um, birth preparation for your headspace, the mental yeah. side of it. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I, I love that what you said about your cervix either moves mm. fast or slow. But I think. You know, when I see women coming in in labour on labour ward, and they might have been kind of in labour for a couple of days at home, but they're really cool about it because they've done some birth prep, which makes them understand their bodies. Yeah, whereas they know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, some women come in after one contraction, and they're like, "Are we good to go?" I'm like, "Guys, yeah. your cervix is like a carrot." That's what I always tell women they're pregnant. Yeah. It's really long and it's quite firm. And then to get into labour, it's got to soften, so it goes from feeling like the end of your nose to yeah. feeling like your lips. Yeah. And to do that, you've got to have contractions. It's yeah. you know, babies don't just drop out. We've got pelvic floors. That's yeah, you know, yeah. Mother Nature's helping hand. Yeah. And um, I still think the women that like respect their bodies and understand their bodies mm. and have done whether it's antenatal classes or reading books or just chatted to people mm. get it. Yeah. Like some women literally don't know where their cervixes are. Well, I think it's all about fear, really, yeah. isn't it? And fear, fear is a massive the, issue. Fear of the unknown and, and, and kind of the biggest way to kind of quash fear is is, is knowledge. There's yep. understanding. So if you are aware 
if you're able to kind of pinpoint what the pains mean and why they're happening, you don't go into panic mode. Exactly. You're like, this is supposed to be happening. This is a good thing. Were you full? T- were you at forty weeks when you went into labour? Yeah, yeah, around full term. Yeah. yeah. When did you first realise you were actually going into labour? Where were you? What was happening? So, um, it was a Monday morning. I woke up really early, about six a.m., and I just knew something was weird and not 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 the same as normal. Um, it, it, I can't describe the feeling. It just felt like everything was a little unsettled in my stomach. A little rumbling. Yeah, and I went downstairs. My mum was at the house and I went to see her and I was like, Mum, something's happening, definitely. And I just felt really excited. I'd had a curry the night before. Oh, yeah. We had a really nice day, just local in the park, eating ice cream. Um, my husband was home from work, from DJing. Everything felt like calm and Ready. nice. Yeah, and I think my body re- responded to my feeling of calm. And just was like, okay, let's go, and um, yeah, it was it was it felt really good. It felt good to wake up having had a sleep, having had a rest, going into the labour, right, really ready physically and mentally. Yeah. Did you have a show? Did you have any of that like mucusy? A bloody show. A bloody show. Some, someone needs to call their band the Bloody Show. Is there not? There's not one. No, but you it's could the start best one. name ever. Um, <laughs> There was, I think there might have been a bloody show. There's so many false alarms when there it's your are. first pregnancy. You're like, is this it? What does this mean? But you check I, your knickers every yeah, time yeah. you go for a wee. You're yeah. like, is this it? Something's there? No. Yeah, I think I did have a bloody show a couple of days before, but I couldn't guarantee it. I don't know. <laughs> it was more just internal. You just felt periody, would you say? Yeah, kind of periody, but kind of not. I don't know. Just things were going on down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can tell you. I love it. <laughs> Um, for me, it all happened so fast, and I and I didn't do it right at the start, and I had quite stressful labour at the start. My mom was with us. Um, my contractions happened really fast. My husband was trying to fucking time the contractions, and he was getting it all wrong, and I was forgetting to tell him when they were starting and ending because they they were really furious. Really, and I was kind of puking up in the kitchen sink, oh. and um, my mom was kind of standing there, kind of hovering over us, being like, "You should go to hospital." And, really? I, and I was so conscious and scared of going to hospital and being turned away. That yeah. I was like, no, the contractions, they're only like, they're still four minutes apart. We can't go to hospital. We can't go to hospital. But I didn't know how fast my cervix was moving. Of course you don't. How many children does your mum have? Four. And she had quite straightforward births. I was born in half an hour. Breach. Yes, I heard this on your yeah. podcast. Are you the last or the first? The last, yeah. So did your, was your mum quite helpful then when you were at home in labour? She really was. She, she was, well, she was, but I wasn't listening to her. <laughs> I was kind of, I dealt with the pain by getting hysterical. Did you? So I, it was all, it, I just, I just started shouting and swearing at everyone. I was literally like a Larry lout. Why do you think that was? I was panicking. You were because, frightened. Because I, I was frightened and I was panicking because I didn't know, I felt like everything was out of control. And my boyfriend, we didn't have Uber at the time, so he called in Addison Lee and it took like fucking 25 minutes to come, which was so long. And and Did you live near to the hospital? Lived about 20 minutes drive, but it was Monday morning rush hour. And I remember getting in the car and having a, putting a towel underneath me because I really felt like it was it was that time where something was going to come out. Had your waters gone? <laughs> no, no, they hadn't. Um the fear and I remember of... making everyone in the car pray, including that, like, I think I had this Polish driver and I was like, <laughs> everyone, has got, we have to pray. We have to pray that the kids aren't going to come. And Are you then, religious? No. <laughs> and then we hit a traffic jam and no. then it was like, you're going to have to break the law. You have to break the law. You have to go, 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 go. And I was just shouting and 
Tom was apologising and my mum was like freaking out. Oh, your mum, she came to the hospital with you? Yeah, so she was in front and we were in the back and then he did actually just like drive on the wrong side of the road for like a minute and go past the whole traffic jam and if he didn't, I swear the baby would have been born in the car. I had my TENS machine, I was like, pressing every button oh and my like, goodness and we got up there and the ward was fully ready like they were ready for me had you called ahead then yeah yeah because my, my husband had called the ward like three times and they were like no she's fine give her a minute telling telling them about my contractions yeah with his and then app. he put them on the phone to me and I made this noise that was like not human no it was like some sort of an like, animal yeah yeah like, like a beast <laughs> yeah and they were like come on in yeah. Come on, so they knew it. When you hear women making that noise, yeah, you're like, you're come like, straight in. Just come in. I made a noise in labour, and I only remembered this afterwards with my first baby. Yeah. I made this, well, I can't even describe it. And then afterwards, like in between the contractions, I remember thinking in my head, who's that woman making all that noise in the room next door? But then I realised it, it was, was me. Like, yeah. But it's so animalistic. You have no, no control over the noises. When women are like, oh, I'm worried about making noises. I'm like, listen, yeah. you will not give Or when you're worried about showing people you're fanny. Or doing a poo. None of it. No. None of it matters. Um, by, the, by the time I got into the ward, I was completely hysterical. Oh, were you? I was swearing. I had this big puffer jacket on and I took <laughs> it off and I said, let's get this fucking show on the road. Like, that's the first thing I said. Like you were opening a set. Like, literally, like, T was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm oh so sorry. God. And then this woman, oh my God, I'm so thankful for her. She was Spanish. I think her name was Sheila. Okay, let's call her Sheila. Sh- it began with Sh. Sheila, Sharon, so, sh- I don't know. But she, she, she was the midwife. The first thing she said is she took me by the hands yeah. and she said, shouting, it's not going to get this baby out. Excellent. And I was like, immediately just kind of softened. You it, felt was safe. just like, please just tell me what to do, please. Aww. And she just told me exactly what to do. And I was so thankful to, to be in the care of someone and I have like to, to have to relinquish control to someone who knew what they were doing. Yeah. And it was amazing. And they've put me in my hands and knees position immediately. And my waters broke like a champagne cork popping. It was next level. Had they examined you at this point? I, I can't remember. I don't know. No, but I, they just knew you were ready to go. They took my clothes off. Um, I, I, had a, I had a strop. I couldn't get my trousers off. And, I, and they took my I was like a petulant child. And then they put me on my hands and knees. The waters broke. And then she put me in the bath. She's like, I just want you to calm down. Amazing. And the bath was lovely. That's when I was actually was able to... Was it like the kind of, water, the pool? Yeah. Yeah. That's when I was actually able to take it all in a bit. And we put the music on and there was a disco ball hanging off the roof. What? No, you couldn't make it up. Were you like, where am I? Yeah, I was having a great time then. Were you on the gas and air? Loved it. <laughs> High as a kite. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Did you feel like you were in a club? Uh, not really, because the music was kind of just instrumental piano. And, okay. and all the midwives were into it. They were like, this is such beautiful music. And I was like, yeah. And it was just kind of, at that point, it was quite, I was high. Like the gas and air made me high. But psychologically, all the panic had just dispelled. So I was able to just kind of, calm down and be conscious of what was going on and I was really trying to lock into the pushing then it got really sore to the point where I I actually remember saying I can't do this anymore yeah I was about we were about three hours in at this point and uh and then one of the midwives said no give me your hand and and I was able to feel the baby's head how did that make you feel just amazing just like euphoric and and really determined to get the baby out yeah a bit panicky because I was like hang on hang on the baby's stuck there. We get, 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 get him out. Yeah. Was your mum still there? Or no, did she, she was outside furiously knitting. She knit a whole <gasps> sleeve of a cardigan. 
in the time that the baby was born. Well, imagine if your labour had gone on for days. It was a baby cardigan, in fairness. But she would have she made, made a whole like set. Yeah. So she was just listening to the shouting and screaming and furiously knitting. You know, they say that midwives traditionally use the knit. Mm. Um, so when midwives became like an accredited profession, mm. rather than just um, gin drinking uh, women <laughs> who had just attended lots of births, um, mm. they um, would encourage midwives to knit because as a midwife, your skill lies within like what you see and what you hear and what you do with your hands. Yeah. But obviously we're so used to doing stuff. Yeah. So um, midwives used to knit so they wouldn't be like... Just as a way to kind of occupy their hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's Your mum sounded like she could have been a midwife. She could, yeah. Um, So yeah, and then the baby came out and I remember really clearly just the little kind of blue slimy alien that he was and he was wriggling and I was shaking so much, as you know, when your kind of body goes into shock, doesn't it? So I was shaking. So he was born in the water? Yeah, and I couldn't hold him because I was shaking too much. So they gave him to Tom and I remember turning around then and seeing Tom and they were doing skin on skin and just being like, wow. And I remember telling all the midwives, each one, there might have been five girls in the room. I I loved them. You loved them. How much? (laughs) Dearly. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Like literally eats each one. Oh my goodness. Have you seen, uh, you know, the film Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah. Do you remember that wedding when um, the bride's really pissed at the end? Yeah. And she goes up to everyone and she's like, I love you. She's like, I've never met you before, but I love you. (laughs) And then she goes off on her honeymoon. Who's that but me on gas in air? Yeah. Naked in a bath with my own poo floating in it. It was quite something. (laughs) Who sieved out the poo? Some very quiet, unassuming, lovely midwife that I... I love. I'm and you don't love. care about doing a poo in labour, do you? I didn't you, notice. I didn't feel it. It was. I saw them and was a bit like, whoa. Are these mine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whose poo is in my pool? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing that women say to me in pregnancy, they don't care in labour, that they're the most worried about. Like, what if I poo? I'm like, well, yeah. you've got to push a baby out and it feels like you're doing a poo. So midwives thing. get excited if there's a poo because we know that something's happening the baby's coming yeah and also that you know you have this kind of huge appreciation and this kind of elevated respect for for midwives because i mean it's just insane like the job that midwives do every day and we come in there like hysterical and <laughs> shouting and just mad and then it's i don't know it just what a job what a job to have. It blows my mind. It's a very, pri- it's a privilege to be a midwife. Yeah. Giving birth is a huge thing. It is. Yeah. It's life changing. It is. It is completely life changing. And um, I think that's part of the reason why I, I, I had really never thought about it or, and I totally underestimated the whole procedure. And, and, and it changed my life in that it gave me this kind of infinite respect for the body that I was dealt with, you know. It's quite amazing. Did you have to have stitches? No. 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 So neither. it went really, really straightforward. Yeah. And then what afterwards? Did you get out the pool to deliver the placenta? Can you remember? No. Oh God. That <laughs> was that was rough. Oh, I, no. I didn't get out of the pool. I stayed there. I had no I had given no thought to the placenta. Again, wasn't prepared at all. And then Sheila was like, OK, you've got to push some more. I was like, what? What do you, what do you mean? She's like, you've got to get the placenta out. And that was really painful, actually. Was it? Yeah, really painful. I was still in the bath. Mm. Uh, so it felt like, in a way, that was more hard because th- there wasn't a reward at the end of it. And it, everything was kind of very 
tender and raw and it just I just remember it feeling really really hard and unfair it's like Whoa. at least it's soft got the baby out yeah and I didn't really see that the first time the second time around that was very different they gave me an injection and that came out and all the midwives were obsessed with it yeah we love and a placenta apparently it was like weirdly like large oh, was and it? there was a knot in the uh in, in the, the cord? umbilical cord. So everyone was very like, whoa. whoa. And um, there's a picture. T took all these like mad professional photos of me at my second birth that are just mental. They're so good, but also just so raw to They're look so at. They're so raw, yeah. And I'm the same. Yeah, you see me kind of in the background just looking like this beach whale, kind of my makeup all down my face and eating a piece of toast. And then you see like five midwives kneeling on the floor huddled over this, you know, <sighs> huge blue placenta. Wow. Obsessed with it. That's amazing photo. Yeah, it is. I'll show you. It's pretty deep. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We do. We do love a placenta. I always say to women and their partners, "Do you want to see the placenta?" And they're like, "No." Why do you love it so much? Because this organ, basically, yeah. well, it looks like a massive jellyfish or piece mm. of liver that has been created at conception. Yeah, has kept a, a human baby alive. Yeah, for a duration of a pregnancy. Yeah. And has grown. I mean, it's like, a, did you look at it? It's like a tree with all the vessels yeah, yeah. and arteries. Yeah. And then attaches to the baby and keeps this baby alive. Yeah. And then we just chuck it away. Yeah. I mean, I know most mammals do eat it. But yeah. I also think belly buttons are amazing. Yeah. Like it's the thing that, the last thing that reminds us of the connection with yeah. our mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also like we have to look at the placenta to check that it's healthy yeah and i just i just love them yeah but it's weird we, i was talking to a colleague about this the other day the placenta when it's delivered is warm like body temperature mm. and they go cold quite quickly and we were saying that um as midwives we find it we get a bit grossed out touching a cold one but like a warm one we're fine yeah. it's really odd so sometimes you'll won't check your placenta for maybe an hour after the baby's born yeah. so you're dealing with everything and then you go back to check it and, and it's, it's cold, cold. You're it's like, like, yeah <laughs> But warm, <laughs> give me a hot one. <laughs> but people keep them and bury them and do all sorts, yeah. eat them or yeah. have them turn into... Into pills and smoothies yeah, and stuff, right? Yeah, that's quite popular at the moment. Mm. There's a lot of research into, um, like, for hormone levels, yeah. for postnatal oh, depression wow. and because milk production. that's mad, isn't it? Because I wonder, has that always been done? Because, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because of the geniusness of the body. Like, again, there were so many bits along the way that I was just in awe of the capability of what my body could do one of them afterwards was the breastfeeding and how your stomach contracts when you breastfeed so your body is triggered by the by your breastfeeding to know that your stomach can get smaller just stuff like that it just blew my mind it wouldn't surprise me if a placenta had a function post-pregnancy in in order to help your head i mean why do all other mammals eat the placenta yeah right i know um, I'm really interested to talk again about your outlook on like not preparing in the traditional sense that you didn't do like NCT. I read Ina May Gaskin. Oh yeah, yeah, and I really liked that whole sentimentality of good pictures. Yeah, lots of hairy hippies. So, so much bush. Yeah, but I really, I did really enjoy that that idea of not looking at at, at childbirth as a clinical thing. I'd looking yeah. at it as the most natural thing in the world that is all rooted in in that kind of quest for not being stressed you know the quest for kind of a kind of harmonious uh situation and a kind of feeling of calm and not associating pain with fear Mm. you know associating pain with something positive that can be part of something beautiful and and even down to the 
the wording around it, you know, so not calling contractions, contractions, calling them rushes. <laughs> It's <laughs> such a like e head thing that isn't it? It's such like it's like, it's like something in like acid house explosion. We'll call them rushes, woo! But it's like I did like that that kind of the, the outlook, I guess, on it. But equally, I totally get why you know because I did for both babies want to try it for a home birth. Um, did you? I loved the idea of it. Why but didn't I, you I wasn't able interest? to? My hospital couldn't provide it. Shame. Yeah, you would have been a. Perfect candidate. Yeah, but equally, I was happy to, really happy to be in a hospital near a labour ward if I needed it. I yeah, like the kind of the safety net of that. Yeah, I think a lot of women. Um, I always say to women when they're thinking about planning their birth, I'm like, where do you feel safest? And for a lot of women, it is a hospital, and yeah. that's cool. That shouldn't yeah. be anything to be afraid of. Yeah, you know, if that is where you feel safest, you will yeah. probably labour better because safety and like you were saying as soon All as you got there yeah. Sheila took your hands yeah yeah and because I had both births that were re- they were really fast I uh-huh. felt kind of like I felt nervous about if something went wrong in a fast and furious labor you know I don't know I just quite liked the idea of having proper uh medical equipment around me <laughs> yeah <laughs> in case you needed it yeah yeah, that, yeah I mean I think that's totally fine isn't it you mm. just need to be where you feel safe yeah. And would your boyfriend have cared where you gave birth? Was no, he, he would have just gone along with exactly He just would have followed you totally. wherever you go. Yeah, I mean, he would have definitely wanted me to have some, a, a big team of people. He wouldn't have wanted to get involved, put it that way, in, in helping a baby come out, apart from just to like administer gas in air and <laughs> stroke my hair. I'd be told to fuck off, probably. <laughs> Do you think he felt really positive about your birth? Did you talk about it? Well, he, yeah, we did. And he both times was just kind of, you know, it's always the classic thing where men walk away and they're like, oh my God, women are amazing. How do you do it? Yes. All that. So it's, they have a kind of heightened respect for us. But I think as more of our friends and his friends had had children, he is very aware of how lucky we were with our labours. Yeah. Yeah. And he always says, God, you know, it's so mad how we, we've just been so blessed with, with a kind of trauma-free situation. It's interesting you say luck. Um, recording this podcast has given me such an insight into hearing women tell their birth stories. I mean, I hear them all the time. I'm involved with them. But it's um, women, sometimes um, I feel like they're apologetic for whatever birth they had. Yeah. And I'm like, you've got to own this. Yeah. And like already you're saying that you were lucky to have a straightforward yeah. birth. Yeah. I'm like, we've got to own whatever path yeah. or whatever choice we make. Why are we apologising if we had an epidural yeah. or if we chose to have a home birth like I've had women say to us on the podcast that they then felt like embarrassed if their birth was perfect textbook mm. in an NCT or antenatal group because someone might have had a traumatic birth yeah. it's like women are being silenced whatever birth they're having I'm like yeah. guys yeah. <laughs> you've, a human has come out of your body whether yeah. that's through your vagina or through your stomach yeah. just own this mm. like why do you think women are still so it's guilt yeah it's total guilt bloody because, guilt yeah well it's because there's so much trauma and psychological hardship with giving birth and it's such a kind of seismically just intimate and and, and, and huge thing to do and you don't want to make people feel any worse than they already do about their experiences do you think our mothers felt like this though because uh, when I speak to my mum about it, she's like, oh, no, we all just got on with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mum, yeah, got on with it. I don't, I don't know if there was way less discourse about it as there is today. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of my births and I'm really, really 
happy, but I do consider myself lucky as well. Yeah. You know, but equally, I wouldn't have, um, wouldn't have felt remotely guilty for reaching for all the drugs in the world if I had. I always say this: if my births weren't as quick as they were, if I didn't know that there was going to be an end to that pain, I would have been like, "Give me everything." And mm-hmm. I think you don't, you don't want it to feel like you're bragging, basically, because yeah. I don't think I have a right to brag. Why? Because it's it's my body. It's not me. Or maybe we're the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> Getting so deep, Annie. But it's by I do think that I inherited it. I inherited it a lot a lot of it off my mum. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um women get a bit obsessed with birth plans. I try and say let's call it a birth yeah. preference because yeah. you can't plan well, you can't really plan anything. It's like rain on your wedding day. You can't. No. Um, and I try and try and describe to women when they're sort of mapping out their birth plan and laminating it. They come into labour with these laminated oh birth plans. Oh, my God. And I'm like, let's think of it as a journey. And you want to get from A to B. And the direct route would just be straight up the motorway. But there might be roadworks and road closures. And you've got to take, like, different yeah. roads. Yeah. And I try and say, like, that's how your labour could be. Like, you can plan one thing, but there are going to be episodes in your labour which you have no control of whatsoever yeah, and yeah. you can't control that mm. and you know I think women today as well we are naturally I think quite control control freaks mm. we're working we're doing way more than maybe women 30 so 40 years ago we're yeah. trying to do everything yeah and I think that's where women really struggle yeah to be able to accept actually I've got no control of the road closure on yeah the motorway so I'm gonna have to take the A road or the B yeah. road that's I think that's the biggest mountain to climb and if you can get past that and just accept that anything will will happen you will have a better experience I think because the more the more expectations you set up the more chances you have to be stressed and you don't want to be stressed basically no yeah no one wants stress so maybe that's why my labors went well one reason is because I didn't have any expectations whatsoever which I think stood me in good stead, maybe. But equally, I probably should have known a bit more about what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) I think you knew loads. You knew more than you knew. Yeah. In each episode of Birth Stories, my guests and I take a question from a listener and try to help them out. This week's question is... I'm pregnant with my first baby and due to work commitments, I travel a lot for work. I haven't signed up to any antenatal classes. It's a good one for you, Annie. Mm -hmm. I'm reading lots of books and have friends who have had babies, but am I going to miss out on making those mum mates? I mean, I was (laughs) not really up for making mum mates. (laughs) To me, all that world was quite intimidating for me. Interesting. Why is that? I just, I didn't want, I don't know. I have no idea why, but I think there was something in me that was kind of rebelling against being, being. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I. I think the culture of that for me felt like a world that was kind of comparing culture, that whole kind of uh, competitiveness. Yeah, and I didn't want that at all. Um, and I had friends that were moms, and I felt really happy with my friendship group, and um, I felt satisfied with that um so I I kind of didn't I I actively didn't seek that out but equally some of my best friends did and and really enjoyed it and were really helped by it but yeah I didn't do that I think you will be absolutely fine you know 
if you have friends already, it's about talking to the people that you love and you trust and you know, read all the books. And there's no reason why after you have your kid, you can't go and join local mother and baby groups or parent and kid groups. There'll be loads around your area. Also, like the bit that really surprised me was just kind of the level of postnatal care that you get from the NHS with, you know, mid yeah. people calling at your house whether you like it or not, yeah, and like coming in and wanting to ask those questions and stuff. If you feel lonely, if you feel a bit overwhelmed by it, there's no reason why you can't speak to those people and they can advise you on places you can go. And yeah, So I do think like there's something wonderful about the system where it does kind of help those mums who could be suffering from just straight up loneliness or feeling isolated. It's a really isolating thing after, you have, after you have babies. Um, and you feel like you're going a bit insane when you don't have other adult company when you're just around kids all the time so it is important to make sure that you have in your daily life or daily schedule even just a phone call a day with someone who can make you feel like a normal person yeah (laughs) I know that's so true Um, and I think kind of from a midwifery aspect you know you gave a really good example you read some really good books Mm. Ina Mae Gaskin we'll put it in the show notes is a brilliant one so you can get the information, but there's so many ways of meeting mum mates now. There's like apps. There's yeah. an app called Peanut. Yeah. There's an app called Mush, which is apparently like Tinder for mums, where wow. you can just like connect. make mum friends. Yeah. Aww, yeah. And you know, also financially, some private antenatal classes are really expensive. Yeah. And if you can't commit to them because you're working and travelling a lot, yeah. You know, you don't want to feel like you've missed out. So I think um yeah, I think seek your local area, definitely yeah. speak to your midwife and health visitor because there's loads of there's loads of free things going on as well. Yeah. yeah. Baby singing song. Yeah. Did that. you do all that? Yeah. Mm, some of it. Yeah. Some of it. Yeah. But I, I also found that like when you do bring your kid to like play groups and stuff you'll naturally gravitate or your baby will naturally gravitate to another baby so a lot of the time your baby dictates yes who you end up hanging out with which is yeah. quite nice and um just the whole etiquette of being a mom and a kid there's a whole different etiquette you kind of reach out more than you would in real life so you just go hey like, should we have a play date yeah i'm a with bit lonely you don't really know very well yeah because your babies have just like shaken rattles in each other's faces <laughs> or something but you end up doing that and that's great so true and and you'll find that everyone is really up for for, for linking up because everyone's in the same boat that's so true I hope that's helpful. If you've got a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please email birthstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Annie, thank you so much for coming in and telling us your birth story. Can you tell us a bit more about you and you've got your podcast out? Yeah, Yeah, so I've got a podcast out called Finding Annie, which is basically about me realising that I have no memory and I can't remember (laughs) enormous parts of my life. So it's me kind of quizzing all my family and friends and getting them to provide me with memories of my life that then kind of dictate the, the conversation. So I'm interviewing loads of friends and family about big themes like hair, childbirth was episode one, sleep, um, DJing, careers, like all sorts of things. And I've really enjoyed it, actually. It's been really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Birth Stories with me, Clemmie Hooper. Remember to subscribe on your favourite podcast app so that you can listen as soon as the podcast comes out each week. And please rate it and leave a review if you have time. You can find more birth stories on my blog, Gas and Air, and you can find me on Instagram at Mother of Daughters. Birth Stories was produced by Hannah Varrell and created by Offscript.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 